Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. We are fortunate, fortunate enough today to have Julian Villard with us, who I have only met uh, a month or two ago. I was fortunate that I am friends with uh, one of his friends, Colin Smith, another fantastic musician. And Julian is a very big, huge, thank goodness for us, Billy Joel fan. So we are honored to have him with us today. Hello, Mr. Villard. Hi, David. I don't know if I would categorize myself as a Billy Joel fan. I feel like... (laughs) It's like seeing, uh, I feel like it's like a Conan the Barbarian, right? And this is a pretty abstract reference, but Billy Joel is Thulsa Doom and I'm Conan. And I've been, he's murdered my family and I'm like, you kill my mother, you kill my father. And then, and essentially he's the, you know, he's the one who made me. And, and uh, here we go. Here's a, and I've got all my sound effects going like this. Hello, cutie pie. One of us is in deep trouble. Anyway, I won't be doing that on your podcast. <laughs> that's definitely um, not from Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> that's not from Conan the Barbarian. No, but my point, my 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 uh, mixed metaphors and pop culture references aside, I feel like Billy Joel made me rather than I love Billy Joel. I'm like one of his uh, uh, unwanted stepchildren, basically. That does make more sense. Uh, he's been plaguing you in many ways yes. over the years yeah. since. Yes, as we know, you have the album. Please don't make me play piano, man, because you are a sometimes before you, you know, got the successful, you were a bar piano guy. And I'm sometimes still a bar you, piano yeah, you guy. still do I'm it still, sometimes. Right? I still do it less and, and these then, days because of the, uh, you know, because of the world health situation. But yeah. Why? What happened? Oh, no, I like to pretend I live on Mars. <laughs> um, and then, of course, but then you had the album that was released this year called play piano man so <laughs> yeah no it's i i put out my last record is sort of a crazy concept musical about what it means to not be billy joel and it's called uh please don't make me play piano man official <laughs> queen's cast recording it's about a fictional musical about a guy who plays piano bar who's not billy joel um and then obviously i released a ep of covers called play piano man so yeah it's i'm very it's very meta he's very you know his presence is felt looms large uh for better or worse so yes i am an appropriate guest for your podcast right and you are definitely influenced by him so that for is sure a fact of course and also on that play piano man you have that cheer up charlie which as you know oh um, thank you since i sent your stuff when i first heard over to our last guest which was sarah silverman who said oh yeah i already know that guy he does this unbelievable rendition of cheer up charlie from Willy wonka on the chocolate factory and i'm like oh well i guess i suck then that you already are familiar with his work already <laughs> yeah i might i've been i've weirdly sort of been like around the sphere of sarah for many years i used to play at the olive tree Oh. Uh, with my band, the Jubidors, and which is my all Jewish yacht rock cover band. Again, highly conceptual. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, I know, deep. And we would play, uh, that was from our mutual friend, Colin Smith, got us that gig. And me and my buddy, Ari Hest, we'd play there. And uh, Sarah was always like a big, super cool and a big fan. And I'm not sure if she's connected that I'm the guy in the fake Brooklyn Dodgers outfit, that I'm also the guy who sings Cheer Up Charlie. But uh, you know, I, she's been around. I've been around. I've played songs around her, and she's a very, very nice woman. Yeah, and eventually this uh, fall, you will be playing more live because you're moving to Los Angeles, and then you'll have more live shows, right? 
That is confidential knowledge. There's going to be legions of uh, Billy Joel also ran fans who listen to this podcast that are going to be heartbroken to know that I'm leaving the tri-state area after uh, a 41-year run. But um, yes, I can confirm that fact. Your sources are correct. I will be in Los Angeles as of this fall unless my wife decides to uh, not move and then I might, uh, things will get really weird. Oh, well, I mean, I, I the only reason I bring it up, I saw it on your website. You know, you list the shows, the live shows you're doing. Yeah, no, I'm playing there. I'm moving there. It's uh, all all things Point West. I'm doing the opposite, right? B- Billy goes to play the executive room, and then he comes back and he writes turnstiles. I, like, did turnstiles, and now I'm going, I'm selling out and going west. Right. You're doing your stand-up routine in L.A. That's exactly. <laughs> I'm doing my Richard Lewis. I'm doing my... God, what so song awesome. was that? I don't recognize that. That's uh, <laughs> a, a very oh. obscure Russian folk song. <laughs> and by the way, folks, if you see Julian has a whole bunch of stuff on Facebook he was doing during the quarantine where you are pretty much what, what you're doing it while you, you call it in child care where you're is it your daughter or son or uh, you have daughter and a son? I have a daughter and a son and I was, you know, I've done a million and one uh, content exercises over the past 16 months, but one of them was called nap time piano bar where I would have to <laughs> like try to entertain people online with my, either my kids would be sleeping or they'd be up and reading. And there's some very silly footage of us doing stuff. Right. And um, I saw one was with my life and one yes. was, you may be yeah. right. Right. <laughs> oh you, yeah, no, totally. I did a whole thing where I was like, let me see how many Billy Joel songs I can play with my son on my lap. And, uh, well, the best know, one was, of course is you may be right because then at the end, your son is grabbing at the, yeah, thing and yeah. falls down on him. And you, then it just I can't out. tell if you've if you've watched all my content, David, or all my Billy Joel related content. But either way, I'm Actually, flattered. And I'm pretty sure you know I've watched all your content since uh, my favorite song of yours. How I you know came to know you was the Love Again for the first time, which not only is one of my favorite songs at this oh, point, but that video is so good. And I tell all of our listeners to go to see this amazing video and all of Julian's videos, of course, but he makes such great videos. This uh, Love Again for the first time was done all in Brooklyn. You know I love it because it's on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. You got the piano over there and everything. It makes so me- first of all, a couple things here and elon i'm sorry that he's just like basically you know schmoozing all over this podcast with his love of me hey david (laughs) you may need to get some more culture if i if me and billy joel your two favorite acts b that video to your point that was shot like you couldn't do that video anymore not that it's like that old but it's brooklyn especially the red hook area where that shot has changed so much we literally like brought that piano to the pier we brought it and now all that stuff is like fairways there and there's condominiums and it's just wild when i look at it and it's only i mean i guess guess now it's 11 yeah Yeah, it's about it's a decade ago but it's it doesn't feel that way to me but then you look at you know all even the the sort of big yard where we did um one of the like kind of main opening shots that's like the the brooklyn crab is there now like it's just red hook was so underdeveloped still then and now it's like fully i mean i actually haven't i haven't been to new york in the last uh i haven't been living there for a minute so it's um i don't know what it's like during the pandemic if it sort of has gone back to the 1970s like everybody else says but uh yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I appreciate the, the the kind words and the flattering. We've now spent uh, the entirety of the podcast talking about me and not Billy Joel. And 
This is no big deal. That's what we do. Okay. We you should okay, see okay, what we talk okay. about on the podcast. We barely talk about Billy Joel on the podcast. We talk right, Elon. We talk about everything else pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, any pop culture Dave has in his head from the seventies that no one can get the reference of, that's what he'll bring up in the podcast. Yeah, Julian. We just gotcha. finished the. You know, we're going alphabetical. We just finished the D's, and I think what we were basically with. The, don't ask me why. I was talking about Rick Springfield for a half hour. Because I was oh talking about don't talk to strangers because it's in the line of don't ask me why. <laughs> we just talk, start talking about. Um, my so I'm trying to think of the other Billy Joel D songs. Also, another uh, thing I'll point you to. There's two. <laughs> what are there? There's don't ask me why. And, and then an unreleased one called December song. That's it. So yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. It's like yeah. one and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard a lot of the unreleased tracks? You know, I have like random bits and bobs. Um, I think. I grew up obviously like very familiar with like the major frontline releases and as I've sort of made my way back through the catalog, but like, I don't know, like the Attila music. I don't know. Oh, yeah, like there's like all there, no, there's all these sort of gaps, but I do have some interesting ones. I have a, a vinyl rip of this like live concert from around turnstiles called souvenir, um, which is kind of wild. It's like from a Connecticut college. So I've got some bits and pieces, but you know he's a he's an interesting artist. It's it, in fact, you know, he's very Beatles like in that way that like there is a canon, right? Because he produced music from point A to point B and then he stopped. So it's 121 songs or whatever it is. Like that's what you get, you know. So anytime some other kind of maybe subpar or also could have been Billy Joel song, it's like finding a new Beatles recording or something. It's like oh oh, oh for the com- for the completists, you got to get in on that too. Yeah, that's um, which is interesting because. Yeah, it's like it's even though he's still like an active artist, he's like not active. I mean, he hasn't, you know, he's basically not put anything new out in 25 years or whatever. Well, actually, that's a, one of the questions uh, certainly Elon and I both have was what do you feel about those 2007 releases with the Christmas in Fallujah and All My Life? Oh, God. Okay, so you're on I mean, the it's so thing. it's so <laughs> weird. I've heard him talk about it too. Like, I don't know if I agree with his his viewpoint. He's like, why would I dilute the legacy? As a fan, I think I can understand the value of that, but there's an element of that. Like you want, I don't know, if it's, especially if it's an artist like him who so takes up such a huge part of iconography, especially if you live or grew up in the New York area. I, I just, it, there's something more human about seeing the not, you know, I, I just, I like, I, I mean, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. Like I'll listen to, his weird Christmas album. Like I just, I just love the idea that the artists that I love are still trying to create. You've actually to some degree. been quoted as saying Billy Joel doesn't understand his place. Why he is as relevant as Bob Dylan. There, there's articles like there's the, the, the Chuck Klosterman piece, which he, you know, got a lot of flack, I guess about 20 years ago before he was with wife three. What, what, I mean, what, he's what, on, what, is, what are you talking yeah, about? He's on four now. He's on four and he, then wife three, like he just was sort of like, yeah, he was renting an apartment in the city to try to pick up women. And he's just, he, there's something clearly very humorless about him. He takes himself very seriously, almost despite himself. And now I think with distance on his past, but he's, you know, he's got a history of depression. The guy like kind of goes on one. And when you read interviews, there's sometimes I think, and obviously I think maybe now some of this has changed. He's accepted his place with all the stuff with the garden run and everything. But like, you know, about a decade ago, he did, he really was like, didn't understand why people didn't look at him as like, you know, well, I wanted to be like Bob Dylan or like Neil Young. Why can't I be like that? And I'm like, being Billy Joel is pretty awesome. Like that's a great, you know, maybe to, in, in the eye of Robert Christigau, you're fluff, but 
you've influenced an entire, you know, multi-generations of it. And I just think it's interesting. I think for some reason that critique of, of his music in the seventies really stuck with him that he was sort of like commercial fodder. That's you know? interesting. You're right. Those, uh, those three albums, the stranger 52nd right. street and glass houses. And then I guess, even though he, you know, had multiple hits after you're right. It is something about those three albums that perhaps set him in this place. Yeah, he just, just has, he just I, has like, I was gonna say he has like low self-esteem, I guess, low yes. self-confidence. Cause otherwise he would say I should put out more music. Like people do want to hear what I have to say. I can have more good ideas. Even if right now I have writer's block, like new things will come to me that people will like. But what I, I, I agree with you totally. And what I find really interesting about him is like, he is this sort of weird bridge to me from like, you know, to like a, to sort of what Springsteen became or when we get, you know, the video age with like Madonna and Michael Jackson, like he's this artist that, you know, he has this sort of other, I guess, arm of his or branch of his popularity with Innocent Man and he becomes a video star, but he still is sort of bringing the seventies with him. Whereas I look at someone like Bruce who kind of reinvented himself in the mold of this visual thing. And I just love the fact that Billy Joel is very much a pop superstar, but his personal narrative is sort of woven into all the music. And that very much, whether I realize it or not, has sort of subconsciously been what I've been trying to do my entire career. And he is an anomaly, though, because most now, you know, pop music is 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 a fiction. It's a it's a creation. And like, I think one of the things that's so endearing about him is that these songs are very personal for him. Like he lived these songs and they just happen to be ginormous hits. <laughs> Whereas now and I, and I always sort of compare him with Springsteen, where I feel like there's something inherently very contrived about Springsteen to me that the man has never worked a job since he was 19 years old. He's worth millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. His, his manager and him are notoriously meticulous about his image and what he charges and all this stuff. But yet all he does is sing about the working man. And I feel like there's something kind of uh, overwhelmingly middle class about Billy Joel and like all the aspirations and all the songs. It's like there's just something I feel like it's almost more real in its mundanity. Or mund- is that I say that right? Or mundanity? I don't even know. Yeah, how and that. we we were talking about that and the fact that yeah. uh, Springsteen was more of the working man, even though, like you said, he keeps putting out. The well, it's theatrical. It's like his idea of what the working man life is. Whereas, right, like right. Billy, People really, I think speak totally. Billy speaks for like a population. There's something about well, him. We call him more the suburban people that grew up in the correct suburban. Yeah, the, uh, Elon, I think, said that. Right, Elon, you were talking. Yeah, about sure. That. I'll take credit for that. <laughs> well, I think when we but, were but, talking about Allentown, we brought it up. Yeah, I mean, Allentown is, you know, that was his attempt at the working man song, but generally he's right. talking about suburban life and middle class life. And I just think it's something so much more like those values are, they're shaped by economics, but they're actually like more of his core identity. Whereas like, it feels like every time I'm watching a Springsteen thing, it's like I'm watching like a phony union leader or something, you know, it's like some bullshit Jimmy Hoffa act where I'm like, come on, you're a fucking well, That is completely like, the way I feel, but people get it. Yeah. But but there's something about Billy that's like very complacent and but it's like it feels very and and so therefore I get that why like the rock Illuminatis is like this guy's bogus. It's like it's almost like the Coldplay of its day. It's like smush. It's vanilla. It's nothing. But coming from New York, there's just something and I'm not even from Long Island. Like I, I grew up in Manhattan, but there's something about it that very 
I just feel like in a way it, it rings truer to me now with distance on it. It doesn't feel like it's trying to be well, anything that it's not. I grew up in New Jersey. Elon grew up in sure. Manhattan too. So, you know, where am I coming from? I mean, you know, like at least if, well, you, well, but if you grew up, I mean, I can, I'm, I'm like, I don't really, this is now that I've left, this is the first time I've ever really lived in a suburban environment. You know, now that I left New York last fall, uh, I, I like, it's alien to me. And yet all his, his song is very, his songs are very much like the songs of the suburbs, you know? If you grew up in Manhattan, like, did you grow up? Because Elon grew up in the area around Big Man on Mulberry Street, so he likes that song. Oh, sure. I don't care for, but he loves yeah. the mention of Hester Street and all that kind of Dope. stuff. I live on Grand Street, so he mentions Grand. I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I know he's Elon's more legit. I'm like from the like I'm from like Sondheim and Woody Allen's New York. I'm oh, like a, I'm like okay. a, I'm like an I'm like an upper middle class kid. Uh, You're from the Elaine's area, from Big Shot. Big, <laughs> totally, exactly. I'm like the person he's yelling at in Big Shot. <laughs> exactly well did you know you, you have this great quote you did a cover of where's the orchestra which you actually sure out off your if you don't like it you can leave album which is awesome title Thank and you, you very did, much. and i i quoted this because i was like wow this is great he said people should know that outside his songs about brendan eddie and mr Ketchatori, billy joel is arguably the last in the line of the great american song tradition that was born in nyc and was the zenith of popular culture in the first half of the 20th century. He said, you say this song is the proof. And did uh, I, I, did I, did I, I guess I said that sounds, I mean, sounds like I was really trying to, trying to impress somebody with that statement, but it's true. I think he's like, he's also, that's why he gets a lot of shit. Like he's got more Irving Berlin and George Gershwin in him than he does. Like, I don't know, Buddy Holly or Chuck Berry, you know, I think, and I think that's something that, you know, he always fights against like when he gets up on stage and like plays guitar like a total jackass, but like he wants to right, be this rocker, but like, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that's always his, uh, where is it? Uh, is it in here? Let's see. I used to have it. Yeah, I used to have the count. Two, the count. Yeah. A one, a two, <laughs> a one, two. Only, only he's on record with the only singing count off in the history of music. Um, but I think to me, like there's that sort of his theatrical side, like that's his schlocky side. And I love that. You know, I love, that level of sophistication and sort of song craft. That's I why think, I like you because you're similar to that too. Your stuff is a little show tune-ish in the way that sure. I, that me and again, you know, Sarah and I, you know, we have similar tastes in that way. We like that kind of stuff. And Billy Joel's definitely like that. Well, it's the, it's the Jewish, uh, it's the Jewish <laughs> culture, man. It's like, That's this is what, what we grew is. up. You know, it's like, it's, it's like the, what happens when you lock a, a Jew and a gay in a room together for five years? You get a musical. That's what, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's, that's like, it's our thing. It's like, you know, it's gay culture and Jewish culture. Uh, it, 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 that's where musical theater meets. And I, you know, I think there's just something very goy about Springsteen. There's something very like, just like, it's even with just, that feels, Jewish last name, there's something goy. <laughs> I, I know. They, exactly. Exactly. Well, there's no, it's, it's two E's. So that, that's right. the, that's the giveaway, right? There's, where's the I, there's no I in there. It feels so white. And there's something about Billy that's like not really white to me. There's something much more like, like he's got more going on. Fans think that too. You know, we all agree with what you're saying, but the, certainly there are, it, I think it's like you say, it's like, you know, he, once you get over the being cool part, you can really enjoy Billy Joel. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not cool. Right. And it's sort of chronic. Cause like, look, I mean the, the analog to him in America would be someone like Randy Newman, right. Who I'm a massive Randy Newman fan, but Randy Newman is like self-aware Billy Joel, right? He's essentially 
different tack, but very much someone who's doing storytelling, narrative songwriting, but it's so smart and so aware. He's like, whereas he's not nearly the popular success until maybe you could argue Toy Story, I guess, has more of a lasting impact. You just but like that up last week. Right, but, but you know, whatever. The, um, the unreleased trap with December song. Um, but whatever. Yeah. Right, Elon? Like, yeah, yeah. December yeah. song sounds like uh, Randy oh, Newman. does it? Yeah. Like 20 years later, stars, Randy Newman took like it. like you're saying. Yeah. Right. And, I, and, and, and then there's also a whole, so there's that. I mean, I think like Billy Joel never worried about being cool, even though he desperately wanted to be cool. Whereas, and I feel like that's worn well over time because to me, that's always the mark of timelessness, right? Like something that is truly timeless is not of a time. It doesn't attach itself to the mores or the standards of, of uh, and I think Randy is sort of, also outside of a time like he was making music pretending like he was from louisiana in the 1930s but like even in that like randy newman is a much more affected thing than billy joel i mean the guy he's another one he's like trying to sound like an old black man but he's like a white kid who grew up with famous oscar nominated uncles and the kid of a doctor like you know billy is there's just something so authentic about what he is and who he is, even if he and, hates himself. And great um, thing where you're talking about timeless. We always talk about that. The the albums, you would never know when they were made. It's not like uh, any of his albums sound like they're from the 70s or certainly the innocent man. You would be like, wait, this is an 80s album? You know, it certainly doesn't sound that well, way. Well, the bridge is firmly made in 1986. I will say that, which <laughs> is not my favorite Billy record. Um, but Today's the anniversary, also, by the way, 35 years. Oh, 35 years since the release of the bridge i will not be buying the commemorative edition of that one i will not um right they do say that is his weakest if he has a bad album that would be the one i mean you could say street life serenader is kind of a stink bomb too and a lot of but like i, I, I like it like a lot for me, do you i think i think it's like the run for me it starts with turnstiles and it, like it basically ends with innocent man like that's the if you you know those that that's sort of to me like the diamond bulletproof and even nylon curtain which is a total curveball by a lot of people's standards, I still love. Um, oh, we like it too, yeah. But um, another interesting thing, I so I was a guest on a Slate podcast. My uh, really good friend, uh, Chris Malanfi, has a great podcast for Slate called Hit Parade. And he did a whole episode that I sort of, I basically drunkenly pitched him an episode. He does these kind of musical, like chart-related uh, explorations of like musical thesis thesis is or thesis i don't even know how his thesis he i sort of drunkenly i was obsessed with the podcast and we were out one night and i pitched him i said you should do an episode about billy joel and how billy joel is like the modern day zelig like how he has no core identity and you can basically take any song that he's done and show that it's like him doing a version of somebody and that's another thing that's really unique about him is that he's this incredible chameleon the songs are so stylistically vast because he's and, 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 I, and when I pitched him this, he thought he said, that's an interesting idea. He started doing the research and actually it bore more true than I even thought it was at first. Like you, you can pretty much point to any major Billy Joel hit and you can look at who he's trying to emulate and who he's trying to mimic. Not that he's a ripoff artist, but he has that craftsman in him. Where he's, yeah, we, we you know, talk about that a lot, especially we've done for some reason, the, an Innocent Man album is full of songs from A to D. Uh, totally. So we've done a lot of Innocent <laughs> Man talk. And let me tell you about Christy Lee, <laughs> our favorite song. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Well, that's the funny thing. We've been noticing a lot of the demos are better than the actual oh. songs themselves. The Christy Lee demo is terrific. But what, what, what we were talking about, though, was that he is one of the only guys that doesn't do a cover. He's making a song sound like another song, but he does his own version of that song. 
it, very much so. Like the one of the ones that blew my mind is that um, keeping the faith. Right, I didn't even realize this. It's um, oh god, it is actually like a complete and total interpolation of this Betty Wright seventies hit that he's like that. Like I didn't even know Betty White was doing that kind of stuff back. A Betty, no, right, exactly, no, not the Betty White. Um, I think it's Betty White. But it's years, you mean or? Wait, I'm getting confused because I, I'll just tell you this one thing since we're on Freddie Wick because Elon and I talk about this all the time. See if you notice, ain't no crime. <laughs> That's when we started the podcast. The first uh, start of it is the Maud theme. From, oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's that and Blossom, but the Maud one fits where he could have been watching Maud and then ripped it off. I mean, it's, you know, it's all over the place. The end of freaking moving out is Layla. Yeah, Ooh, you know, right, right. like there's so many big ones. Uh, obviously, um, just the way you are is I'm not in love by 10 CC is another really obvious one. Like <laughs> awesome. there's there, there's so many of them. And and, and um, him, uh, you may be right, is like clearly a stone song. But it, it, he that I would recommend checking that podcast out if you guys get a minute. And like I was blown away. Sure. I mean, Chris's podcast is incredible, but it's you, you guys would love it. It's a whole episode, like a chart based episode about showing how he's this total like genre hopping chameleon kind of without an identity we, but i think it speaks to the fact that he's a craftsman you know he's yeah, a real craftsman. and we uh, one thing we were also talking about is that when we did angry young man we were like you know any other musician that's their anthem and that's it that's that would be like that's their swan song and that was only the beginning you know then he totally. does you know the stranger and scenes from an italian restaurant which is clearly probably his you know, the greatest masterpiece of all, but you, you really wouldn't think after angry young man, which is so intense and amazing, you could top it. I mean, you know, Caesar, like speaking of Springsteen, like he clearly was ripping Springsteen off with that, like without a doubt. You know, if you look at Seeds from Italian Restaurant comes out two years after Born Born to Run and any other, you know, and it has that kind of quality, that sort of grandiose, almost operatic tone. And I guess where Billy gets a lot of flack is that he's not original, but he's very unique does that make sense like it's very interesting he's not in like he's not like he doesn't have a sound like that's what's so that maybe the only thing you could point to that sort of is his sound is this kind of hallmark of the kind of american songbook and his kind of chordal sense but even you know tunes like um i mean he's like rips songs off classical composers all the time good night my angel is like straight up i think it's got a credit of like not Brahms or Tchaikovsky. Uh, but yeah, like there's a, no, no, this um, this night has Beethoven as a credit. Beethoven, Be- this right. night, right? It's a lot. And and I I just but like he's not. Whereas like there's something about sort of raucous history where like the originality uh, prized more than the excellence, right? So and I think that's like you know so like the Sex Pistols or even you can make an argument Bob Dylan. Like most people think they sound terrible, but rock critics think. They're great because they're distinct and they're unique and are they and they invented like a lane, whereas Billy Joel kind of is like everything. At, you he's know, he's so, like a smorgasbord. I never thought of that before. You know, I used to when I first started doing comedy, I used to do imitations of musicians all the time. And there was no way I could even <clears throat> for a second imitate Billy Joel. I mean, you know, you could imitate Springsteen every day. Sure. And uh, and really anybody, you're right. He doesn't he he doesn't really have a a certain style to, to imitate. Yeah. I mean, he's just, and and I think that also speaks to like, if you listen to interviews with him, you know, we listen to that big interview with us with Stern. He's a phenomenal mimic. If you listen to him, he can like, he's like can call, he can mimic Brando. He can do Pacino. Like he's got all that stuff access. So I'm like, Oh, when I I heard that interview with Stern, I was like, Oh, this makes sense. He's just like, 
you know, he could be, could have been an impressionist in a way. Yeah. Early um, on, I, I think there's a bunch of, uh, early stuff before he even made like a first couple albums where he was doing impressions all the time. Like totally. Kind of like Sammy Davis jr. You know, yeah, yeah, less, like sound check audio and stuff of him just doing other people's songs like perfectly pitch perfect or uh and and just banter with the crowd where he'll just go on for minutes uh doing voices and doing stand-up basically so i i don't want to like get too geeked with you guys but i mean we're going to get geeked um yeah, we, like or we are geeking so my the guitar player that i play a lot with is one of my dearest friends and he played on that New York record that you love, uh, David, if you don't like it, you can leave. And he played on the, he was Alexa Ray Joel's MD for about four or five years. And he has the most amazing Billy stories where like Billy would, Alexa was always chronically late. And like the, the band would be this like, you know, top call New York crushing band. And they would play like, you know, the talk house or one of these Hamptons places. And he'd roll up in his motorcycle and he'd go and he would sound check the band. And wow. all he would do would be call classic rock covers. That's like all he wanted to do was like play Hendrix tunes and play Zeppelin tunes. And like he knew them all. And it was really fascinating to hear Ryan tell these stories about like, that's like, he just was this, he was shocked by like, like, wow, like Billy can play stairway to heaven note for note on the piano, like stuff like where it's like, and another thing that was kind of blew his mind was like, he, you know, you could tell when he was playing with him that he's so used to playing stadiums. It's like the guy hits the piano in like a 300 seat room. Like he's trying to kill, like it's like totally disproportionate to the space that he's in. Cause he's so used to playing arenas for so long. It's just full blast at a sound check. And they're all like, Oh my God, we're rocking, you know, but that's all he, he, um, so that's one of my nice little pieces of inside baseball. Like he got to, uh, Ryan got to spend, a, spend some time with Billy kind of in and around that. I think it was also during his, like when he was sort of, you know, one of his off the wagon phases too. So it was all a little bit, uh, Funny. you know, a little, little crazy. Yeah. I'm still mad that Alexa's always late. That really bothers me actually. You know, I mean, if you were Billy Joel and Christy Brinkley's kid, you could probably oh, get yeah. away with oh, a lot no, of stuff. No, I'd be a mess. Yeah. Well, now yeah. we can never have her on the podcast. You know, she's going to show up late. Forget about it. I'd, I know, right? We don't. I, David doesn't handle that. I know. I've tested his uh, his scheduling before, <laughs> I know, so I know how he rolls. We, we were almost not friends for our first day, but uh, I know the uh, who we talk. Oh, that's right. The guy we can never have on is Cass Dillon because we really ripped that guy uh, a new because <laughs> he would be a great cast because you're dying to know what happened to him after. Because we're angry because how did you get you know picked out of a a hat? to sing Billy Joel's song that he, he hasn't done a song in 20 years. And he, we, I want you to sing it kid. And then how do you not put out a follow-up album? The hell's the matter with I that? Even, I driving me you crazy. Know, you you got to get him on the podcast. I do I'm have to, to get him other... on, but <laughs> we cannot let him listen to that episode. Though. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> just Dave for 20 minutes is ripping him a new ass. Well, mostly because I'm just like, how do you not? What's the matter with you? What kind of manager is this? And then we found out through stuff that apparently there, there was an issue with this manager, just like Billy, you know, like where there the, he was like singing songs about his manager and he had to plug his manager's new reality show. Sure. So. I, I mean, Billy Joel notoriously has like one of the all timer that I, I know that's I know that they didn't coin the phrase rip off based off of his former manager, Artie Rip's name. But it's like <laughs> one of these hysterical ones that like Bernie made off. You know, it's like the name is literally a descriptor Ooh. for for what, you know, the guy did. And Billy Joel's first manager, Artie Rip, you know, family productions. It's on every album. I mean, and what's so crazy about it? I mean, this is so you know, you know, he's lost his money twice. He's been ripped off like twice. That's not why just, we assumed just, he just got out. But go on, sorry. Right? Yeah, I mean, maybe you know, it's entirely possible. But like, 
you know, those guys, they can just, you know, with the, when he's in that level of kind of music royalty, basically can print money. You know, the guy can just, the catalog is so valuable and it's, it touches so, and it's, what's crazy is how many generations it spans. It's not just like he's a legacy act. It's like, now it's like parents playing stuff for their kids. And I think that's what is the most interesting about the kind of garden residencies is sort of like, he's sort of beyond, oh, uh, a legacy act or an act that was big in the seventies and eighties. He's like a sports team or something, you know? Yeah. And that's he's one like, of the things we were talking about just with code of silence, which, you know, we don't love or anything, but we under he never plays it in concert, or I think it was Code of Silence, was it? Ilana? Yeah, he's never played Code of Silence. There's a few songs that he's and, never and played, despite all of his residencies. Yeah, that's the thing with the residency. We figure he's going down his list of stuff every once in a while, trying to mix it up, and we just see him like passing it. He's like, "Shit, nah," you know, like we don't know why he's not just once in a blue moon. Not that anybody well, my, can hear it, but 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 it's a gr- duet. Like, why not have Cindy Lauper come? She lives in the sure. city once yeah in a five-year residency you know that's actually a good point i forget yeah why not um i mean he so my residency story like it's kind of one of my all-time moments probably period so i'm really friendly with jamie cullum who's like a british uh singer songwriter and jazz piano player and he's kind of like had a moment here in the states 20 years ago almost now but in england where he's from he's kind of an you know he's a big deal he's on tv shows and still hosts tv shows hosts a radio show and for the beginning of the run in 2014, Billy tapped Jamie to open for him. So Jamie was coming to town. I like, you know, I'm sort of sitting here geeking out. And then sure enough, like a couple about the week before the guys in the band who I'm very close with, they're like, Hey, just show up at the stage door. We're going to like slip a pass on you and get you in. And you can like come through the whole thing with us. And I was like, okay, this is incredible. I go. And obviously growing up in New York and in Manhattan, huge Knicks fan, like you name it. And even wrote a song about Jeremy Lin. Yeah, even wrote a song about Jeremy Lin. Yeah, once yeah, upon pretty a time cool. When it, yeah. So they meet me at the stage door. They throw the lanyard on me. I come in. I do the whole bowels of the garden, which is like, I don't know if any of you guys have done that for stuff, but it's totally like a whole bonkers experience. You're just like, where am I going? It's this labyrinth. And then they get me out to the main floor and I get out. I'm like on the floor of the garden, which I've like never. I think I went, my dad bribed an usher when I was seven for a Nick Sacramento Kings game. Like when Ewing was in his first or second season, that's the furthest down I ever got. And I'm on the floor and like they're on. I, first of all, I walk out in the sound check and they're, they're sound checking. Where's the orchestra? And I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. This is obviously some weird cosmic moment, but it's me. It's Billy's sound guy. It's Billy's band. It's Bill. And then Billy's in there in like a matching track suit at the piano. He's like this tall. He's so incredibly, and Jamie Cullum is notoriously, she's shorter than Jamie Cullum. He's like, I was in shock how short, I was shocked how short he was. And he's in a tracksuit, and then he's just running them through all these weird, obscure tunes, like, where's the orchestra? She's right on time. Like, all, and like fully checking the band and everything. And it's me, sound guy, security guards, Billy's band. I'm just sitting there like wow. on garden seat floor. And the gig, like after that, the gig was like, whatever. Like that moment, just sitting there for like 45 minutes, watching him check the band and watching him check all these weird tunes in the catalog you know he might have they might have done a bit of all for lena like they were just checking all the i was like oh my god i can't believe this is happening and that's forever i think my career and life and music has been at times frustrating disappointing but that's definitely a moment i'm like okay this is worth it this is worth eating shit for 20 years just so i could be in this position where i could sit on the floor and watch this shit yeah i know and it's the the worst of those kind of moments because i've had those too even with billy at, at a sound check for saturday night live Oh, amazing! Uh, yeah, you uh, 
you're like, you know, you have to somehow put it in your mind and a, and a phone isn't good enough. It won't capture, but you know, this is the moment. And you're like, you have to get out of your head saying, I have totally. to forget about the moment and enjoy this. And it's so difficult to do because you know, this is a life changing experience. Right. And it's something you built up. I mean, I feel like I had good fortune. Like just, it was such a confluence. Like I'm standing on the floor of the garden. It's empty. He's on stage. It's like, it was so fucking weird. I was like, okay, I'm just going to like, there's no sense contextualizing this moment in my life. I'm just going to be in this next 45 minutes and just like sit here and just go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think as you get older, it's like, I, it gets easier for that stuff too. Like when you realize, okay, this is, these things are few and far between when they come around and you should try it. Even, even if it is someone who is like up there in your mind, then it's such an icon to you. I, I know you have to go soon. So we want to keep, cause I, I, pretty sure we could talk for another two or three hours so hope you know we we have uh, 26 letters so we would love to have you on again sure uh, sure i'm is, around i mean this if, is if, great right elon okay this, I, yeah, this awesome. is good content i i can't tell i, I if i'm like no, 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 i don't know what the, it's fantastic more analysis it's really okay. interesting and but i just know that you have to go so i just wanted to say a couple of things before you did at least this first uh get together with us is that you have a uh, a twitch channel Every yes. Wednesday and Friday that you do yes. requests, right? Yep. I'd sit there and I do piano bar stuff on Twitch. That's right. That's way, way cool. And you also have a Patreon page where uh, you can even see, which I thought was amazing, the uh, Bengals Eternal Flame cover, which was great. <laughs> and, uh, Thanks. That's uh, actually something I did for a pitch that didn't that like didn't happen. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this thing out. I love it. I, I like all your singing. I like your voice. I like your playing and um was there anything else uh, you wanted to pitch before i think he julian's gonna play for us today which is fantastic yeah but, i thought uh, i would play i mean i i really i know you you have your favorite song in the world david but i want to i actually want to play i feel like it'd be appropriate like this is a perfect opportunity for me to play my um the title track off the last record which uh is called please don't make me play piano man and it's it's i think it's there there's enough billy joel geekdom in here that this song will land uh or, and hopefully to the listeners of the podcast, this is like, this is, there could not be a more perfect place to play the song. Cause it's like, if the more, you know, about Billy Joel, the funnier or whatever, the more you will appreciate the song. Yeah. I've seen I've, the song is amazing. It's perfect. And the video is really hilarious. Uh, so yes, please. Thank you. Okay. We would love that. All right, here we go. Yeah. It's 11 o'clock on a Wednesday I'm badly in need of a break There's a beautiful blonde singing next to me She's making all kinds of mistakes She says I heard this song once when I was 16 And I've loved it my whole life long It's my 21st birthday and I'm really drunk and everyone will sing along Oh, no, 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 no Oh, no, 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 no Please don't make me play Piano Man Cause I've already played it five times tonight I don't expect you to understand but my hands are too sore and my heart is too tired to put up a fight. Tom at the bar has his face in his phone. 
He never remembers my name He pours the drinks while he clicks the links Searching for fortune and fame He says, buddy, can you help me find someone online? This pretty young thing I just met She's a corporate lawyer from the Upper East Side Her dad's worth a billion, I bet in some kind of retail I think he sells secondhand clothes and he's talking with Tim or maybe it's Jim they've all been in my last three shows and the waitress is angry and miserable while the Jersey boys jump up and down they shout and they scream they just do what they please Cause this is their night on the town Please don't make me play piano man Cause I've already played it five times tonight I don't expect you to understand but my hands are too sore and my heart is too tired to put up a fight. I'd say the bar's pretty empty, but it's just your average Wednesday. Billy Joel's rocking the garden, and this place is four blocks away. At 11.05 they come tumbling in They fill up their drinks And I fill up with fear Cause it cuts like a knife I've sang it all my life Man, what am I doing here? Oh, no, 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 no Oh, no, 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 no Please don't make me play piano, man Cause I've already played it five times tonight I don't expect you to understand But my hands are too sore and my heart is too tired To put up a fight Wow that's fantastic. That's so awesome. good. So funny. Thanks, guys. Thanks. I, I think my favorite line is that it's four blocks away from the garden, which I didn't expect. I like that. That's that that's so the irony, sense. right? The, the yeah. sad part is that it's it's almost like verbatim because I did play at a piano bar that was four blocks away from the garden. <laughs> oh, that that's, that's, that's not a made up situation. Thank you so much for doing that. And it's like you said, the perfect song for us. I, I feel like how could I not? Right. I mean, if there's a. If there's a crowd that understands uh, the intricacies of the song Piano Man, I've, I've found it. Yeah, I love the elements of Piano Man in that. It's just really, I actually liked it better it's, than Piano Man. Well, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You know, poor Piano Man. It's that poor, I feel like he, he would probably take that song back if he could. Um, I agree. Uh, like Elton John and uh, Crocodile Rock or something. You oh. know, just like, <laughs> they're, they're like, those are two songs I think they've had enough of in this lifetime. 
but I, there's something about Piano Man to me, if I may elaborate, even though it's time to go for another Please. 15 seconds, I just feel like there's something about that song, as stupid and as ridiculous as it is, is that it's so intense because it's like making fun of the people who love the song, right? Yeah. Like, you're an asshole if you, if you say, sing us a song, you're the Piano Man. If you're the person, like, you're a dick, yet the people who love that song, it's like they're outing themselves as shitbags, right? Like, yeah. no Billy Joel fan loves Piano Man, but everyone who knows anything about Billy Joel knows Piano Man and loves Piano Man. And it's like, you, you're willing to treat other, that song, by singing that song, you're basically treating another human being like shit. <laughs> and, and it's built into the lyric. That's why I find so fascinating why I was like, oh, I got to deconstruct this in another song. Because he's like, what am I doing here? He's like, why am I here with you fucking drunks and assholes? Like, I'm not <laughs> supposed to be here. And the song even says it, and, but the people don't give a fuck. You know, they it's, eat like, it it's up. kind of, exactly. And it's like, there's something so deep about that song, the way the narrative is constructed, that it's just this dude observing all these things. And he's kind of also one of the people at the bar, but also not. Yeah. Anyway, right. that's my spiel. I could talk about that song for like literally a, a many episodes of a podcast. Well, then perhaps we'll have you on when we get to the peas. <laughs> oh, please. I'll go. I'll go deep on Piano Man. <laughs> Good. We have no issues with that whatsoever. So uh, you can go to julianvillard.com, right? Sure. And go to your uh, store and where you're going to be performing and find his uh, Patreon account and his Twitch uh, weekly, two bi weekly show. No. It would be uh, twice a week. Show. Twice weekly, right? Bi-weekly. Right, right. Bi-weekly is a fortnight. I get them confused all the time. Right, right. Before you go, uh, real quick. Uh, so obviously you're, people, you know, as a piano player, you're sick of playing Piano Man. Uh, what Billy Joel song is your favorite one to play? There's a lot of them. I really love playing Allentown. There's just something about the way it sits. The... That chord always kills me. There's something I love playing Allentown. I mean, there's so many. Um, just the way you are is, is like, even though it's cheesy, it's always great to play. You may be right. It's fun to play. Um, obviously, I do Where's the Orchestra, which I love the lyric almost more than the tune in a way. I think the lyric is really interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to think like the ones that like I always play and they kind of mystify me. Downeaster Alexa mystifies me. Like I get kind of hypnotized by it when uh, I'm playing it. That's called the Downeaster Alexa. Sorry, apologies. Is that, that going to call Elon under the T or the D's? It's a T. We're putting all the those okay. in the T's and Dave hates it. <laughs> but see, I, I don't I don't know if you can do that. Like, isn't it down Easter Alexa comma the? It should. <laughs> don't get me started. The entire universe. No, he's actually right. It's like, it's a title. It's a title, right? Would you call it? Like, what you watched? I watched Godfather. Like, it's not Godfather the. It's the Godfather. It's part of the title. Yeah, Articles are part of the title. Yep. Elon and his, Elon and his sticklerness. <laughs> it gets people talking. Everyone's upset. They send us hate mail, so it works. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's an avalanche of emails. God damn it! And you're out. these are these yeah. are real problems that people have. Real problems. <laughs> real Billy Joel problems. Well, anyway, Julian, thank you so much for joining us today and taking your time out. And we loved having you on, and we're definitely going to have you back because um, we love talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's my it's my pleasure. I'd love to come back again and. Always fun to shoot the Billy Joel shit. Always. That's what oh, yeah. we do. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for having me. Good to meet you, Elon. You too. Take care. Deep in my darkest tower That's when I feel the power That's when I know nobody care me No one care me Why don't you hear